Thank you, singers. That was very powerful. That, what do you call it, a medley of songs? Wow, had a lot in there, you know? Waymaker is, I guess, one of the newest, well, I don't know how new that is, but new to me, and it just really touches me, and it fits in with our theme. Our theme is following, or walking the way. Thank you. Walking the way, thanks. Um, and walking the way is really the way of Jesus, and that's what our goal is, walking in his way. And as human beings, though, we, we struggle a bit with it. And I guess our goal as a church is try to help all of us, our leaders, if you're a visitor today, if you're watching us online, it's just to help you to know that God loves you, he knows you, he's got a plan for you, he's there, he never leaves you, he never forsakes you. You know, all these things that the Bible promised, he is the promise keeper, and he does not fall short. We do, but he's already paid the price, he's, he's, he's done it. And then, because we have victory through Jesus, we can walk the way in Jesus, so Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the reason we come and worship. Jesus is the reason that we want to walk the way. And that's really what Scripture is all about. And, you know, what a powerful book this is. You know, I just want to encourage you to be opening God's Word and feeding on the bread of life. This is what keeps us alive spiritually. This is how we grow. This is how we walk the way, is looking to Scripture. You know, I had the privilege each week to go into a primary school up here in Coomera and teach four classes of grade five, sixes. And these guys, they know none of these stories, and it's such a thrill to tell them about Jesus. You know, and some of us take it for granted if you've grown up and you've heard about Jesus all your life. But man, it is a wonderful message. And I tell them, this is not a book that I read once or twice. I've read it time and time and time again, but I continue to read it because it's God's way of speaking to me. It's not a book you read and then you put it on your bookshelf. I've read that. This is the way that God daily speaks to us. And uh, our model here at Gold Coast Central is to encourage you to know God. And, you know, one of the ways is coming together and worshiping, but studying his word, meeting in, together in life groups is another way to, to know him more and to find freedom from some of the habits and hang-ups and, and uh, problems that we have mentally and socially and physically that we support each other. And then our goal is to help you discover that God's got a purpose and his purpose is to follow him. Again, walk his way, walk the way Jesus did. And how did he do it? He served others. And we want to encourage you that part of being a follower of Jesus means that we too, like Jesus, have a life of service. And, you know, the song there, you know, I'd rather have Jesus than riches, than silver or gold. But, you know, life gets busy. Bills come in, mortgages have to be paid, car payments have to be paid, and suddenly we find that Jesus becomes down on our list, and I just want to encourage you to keep daily putting him on the top of the list. We don't need to worry. You know, Jesus tells us clearly on that Sermon on the Mount that we don't need to worry. He's going to look after us, and we are very fortunate to be in Australia in the last year and to be where we're at with the worldwide pandemic but again, whatever we face, let's remember God's there with us. Have you ever been lost? 
you know, it, it doesn't happen so much these days, especially as adults, because usually we have our phones with us, and as Steph mentioned in the children's story, you got Google Maps, and you, you can't really be lost. You know, it pinpoints your location unless you happen to be somewhere where there's no signal. Um, but I can remember being lost a few times as a kid, and it's quite scary. I remember being in a shopping center once, and I saw a parent that lost a child, and they were frantic. And I remember once we were out, I think it's called Russell Island, and it's an island you drive over to off of Brisbane. I think it was Russell Island. And I was there with the whole family, and I actually lost my wife and all my kids. <laughs> and I, got, I, I just started thinking these really, you know, thoughts that probably weren't um, a bit irrational, but I did not know where they went. They, they kind of just disappeared, and I searched, and boy, was I relieved because I started thinking the worst. What if someone's kidnapped my whole family and taken them, you know? I, 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 it's not nice to be lost. A couple of times when I was in Tassie, and one particular time I remember I was leading a, a group of youth there. I was, worked with the youth, and we were out on these dirt roads out in the um, Midwest, uh, no, sorry, Mideast part of Tassie and just miles and miles of just dirt roads and easy to get lost again there was no GPS back then you know we would just follow maps and I had about six carloads of youth following me <laughs> I'm leading them here's this American guy from Alabama out in Tassie bush and I got him lost as <laughs> but you know the thing about being lost is that we can be found and folks, I want to just tell you the bad news first, and that is everyone here, we're lost. We're lost. But God has sent Jesus to come and to save us, to find us. He wants to save us. You know, we're lost. In the, I love the story in Luke 15 where, you know, Jesus tell, tells that parable, and I call it the parable of the two lost sons because, you know, some people feel lost you know, because they've done so many bad things and, and they've had a pretty bad history. But other people, like the good son who stayed home, are still lost, even though maybe they haven't really wandered from home. Maybe you've always been a fairly good person, but it doesn't matter. The, the only way we have any hope is to trust in Jesus. We can be lost right here in church. We can come every week, but if we aren't giving Jesus our heart as we've uh, talked a lot about this year already about being filled with his spirit on a daily basis and being led by him then we're, we're in danger and I love the culture that we have here at, at church you know it is a culture where we're trying to get people involved in serving you know I had to bring my little girl who's 10 today because she was on the duty of, of being at the gate welcoming people here you know but what a great thing to see my 10 year old daughter involved in serving and we would love to see everyone that's attending this church to find some area that you can get involved with when I first came to Australia I didn't know much about Australia you know it, it is a land down under I remember there was a, a record I had called minute work and talked about Vegemite sandwiches and things like that and I had no idea what a Vegemite sandwich was. Um, I must say, most of my education about Australia came from a movie called Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and so when I came over in 1994 in Tassie, it's a great place, but you know, it is um, maybe a little bit behind the rest of Australia. But that's a good thing. I'm not saying that in if any of my Tassie friends are watching. It's, it's a slower pace of life. It's great. I love Tassie. Um, but when I came here, you know, I just got an eye-opener to a whole new culture. 
And, you know, I wonder how people survive when they go somewhere and the, the place has a different language. Because to me, you spoke a foreign language, you know. I, I, you know, the people would be telling me to get something out of the boot of the car. I'm like, the boot? You know, that's what you wear on your feet. You know, oh, you mean the trunk, you know. You, you pull into a service station, you know, you check under the bonnet. What's your bonnet? Again, you know, that's the hood. All these different terminology. I could go on and on. And um, there's so many things I had to learn. And as I have adapted, it's become my culture now. Australia's my place. You know, someone told me this morning, oh, how long have you been here? You know, you sound very, where are you from? I've been here for 28, this is my 28th year. (laughs) They looked at me a bit funny. You don't sound like it. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I get defensive or maybe feeling insecure, but I can't change my accent. I am who I am, right? And I don't know about you, what you're, sometimes you can maybe feel, you don't, maybe you shouldn't feel that way, but you be um, authentic, be happy with who you are in Christ. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You're a special creation, and we all need to believe in ourselves. We don't have to be polished We just need to be walking the way. And I just want to encourage you guys. Thank you for your support and your tolerance with me. You know, over um, five years here at Gold Coast Central. And I think I've grown. I've grown in in so many ways. And I've also grown in uh, this is my culture now. Um, Two years ago, I was so glad I did. Went back and surprised my dad for his 85th birthday. And, of course, now, who knows when I'll be able to go back to Alabama. So I'm so glad I did that. But, you know, I went back, and I couldn't wait to get home because home is Australia. Even when I went back with the whole family in 2017, we had the privilege of all six of us going back to Alabama and seeing my family. And we traveled down to Florida and went to Disney World and some of those fun things you can do on a holiday. But, man, I was hanging out to come home. Because this is my home. This is where I feel comfortable. And what we want to do in in, in our lives is actually to realize that, yeah, we have places we feel comfortable. But do you feel comfortable with where you are with God? Do you feel comfortable with that you are not part of this world, that you are part of something else? And um, as we cover this today, I hope that this is something that meets each of you where you're at and helps you on your journey. You know, the uh, culture in this um, world, I guess through my lifetime, you know, I'm, I don't know, I can't remember, I don't want to remember, but I think it's 57 I'm turning this year. But that's pretty old, isn't it? You know, 60s get, getting close. But, you know, I grew up in an era in the, I was born in 63, so, you know, color television has just kind of hit in, in all these old shows like Gilligan's Island and you, know, you got others like Bewitched and you got, you know, these things that many of you might know that are older. My kids wouldn't have a clue what some of these things are. But, you know, as I think back, and even with Crocodile Dundee, I, I said, you know, that's where I got my education about Australia. And I was thinking, oh, I'll show my kids. But I actually watched Crocodile Dundee. It's very inappropriate, a lot of things in there that I guess as a Christian, you know, I'd have to do a lot of explaining, especially if I, if I showed it to my younger kids. So they haven't actually watched Crocodile Dundee yet. But it just shows you how so many things in, in our culture just um, very subtly, you know, gets us and, and persuades us and it, it develops us in our thinking and our, uh, what we believe in. And so we all believe in something. Every one of us have faith. You know, 
you, you, if you're an evolutionist, well, you have faith in man and, and what they say, how we came to be. You know, other people have faith in the stars and they read their horoscope every day. You know, and that, to me, that takes great faith to read that every day and somehow think that applies to you and helps you live your life. But, you know, faith in God is really about us having faith in what we believe is the creator of all things and the creator of us and that he loves us and wants to connect with us. Remember the whole reason that he, he made us is because he wants a relationship, someone to love and to love him back. Again, Christianity is all about those two things. And I say it often, but I keep saying it because it simplifies really what Christianity is. It's loving God, loving people. You can't get more simple than that, and that's really what it's about. So anytime you're maybe struggling, is this right or wrong? Well, is what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting, is it showing love to God? Is it showing love to people? And it quickly will help you to know what is right and what is wrong. But, you know, the evil one, as we know, was originally thrown out of heaven because he rebelled, he got pride, selfishness, sin. He wanted to be like God, like the Most High. And this caused a great rebellion. And this is the beginning of a war. A war between God and Satan, you might call it, good and evil. And this war has been going on since before this world was created, and it continues today. And I tell you that this is war is real. This is not something that's just made up. This is a real war. And the battlefield of this war is right here. Okay, it's in our heads. Some people might say our hearts, but it's really here where we make our decisions. It's here where we actually develop that relationship that God wants with us and he connects with us. And we might, I might explain it this way. It's kind of in, in modern terms. It's like we have hardware and we have software. Okay, and all of us are dealt with a certain hardware, and we can't do much about it, you know. My wife, if you haven't noticed, you know, she's lost 35 pounds or something now, and so she's improved her hardware a bit. I haven't done much to follow her, so I'm, she could beat me up now, I think, so I better start going to the gym more. But, you know, unfortunately, we can't stop. I mean, we can eat better, and that's good. We've always had a message in the Seventh-day Adventist Church of being a, a, a health message, and that's a great thing. You know, nothing wrong with looking after yourself, even though sometimes the Seventh-day Adventists, we get bogged down in the health message, and we miss the message of Jesus Christ, which is about loving God and loving others. And I'm going to bring that out a little bit more in a, in a few minutes. But that, that hardware is, relies on our software because our software is a brain. That's really our programming that controls the hardware. And unfortunately, a lot of people just, you know, whatever the software do, does they do, they don't give a lot of thought to it, you know, and whatever kind of tastes good, whatever feels good. Whatever seems right to a man, they seem to follow. But, of course, the Bible tells us that that leads to destruction and pain. And God says, hey, and I've got a better way. And Jesus is the one that came to show us an example of that way. And that's why we want to walk the way of Jesus. And I want to bring up a couple of texts because we're in the world but not of the world. You hear this text uh, sometimes and, you know, people can really kind of say, well, you know, we need to not have anything to do with the world. And, you know, I've, I've kind of tried to sometimes follow that to the letter, and, and it's not very practical. But I want to get back to what it really means, because when it says this, it's not talking about 
the world and the good things. It's talking about the world identifying all the bad things, the part of the world that's been corrupted by evil. And here we find in Romans 12:1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, and this is truly the way to worship him. So again, you know, that um, we give our bodies. How do we do that? Well, with our software, with our minds. And um, reading on in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I need my thinking on a daily basis changed. And um, God can do that for you. He can reprogram. You know, I'm a bit obsessed with updates. I used to hate updates, and I used to never update my computer because I thought something might change and it might make it different, and then I wouldn't be able to be familiar with it. But now it's come to the point, you know, there's so much updates with all the apps on your phones and stuff. You know, you know every few days I try to update everything. And it's kind of like that. Our software needs to be daily updated. We need to daily surrender to God and allow him to come in and to control us and to change our way of thinking, as Paul is saying here in Romans. Use our brains to make a decision for God to change us for the better. And he can help us to overcome. So whatever it is you battle in your life, and I often share with you one of my battles is anger. It has been all my life. It seems to come on me like that. I can just get angry. And I get over it fairly quickly, but I don't understand why it happens. But God's working on that. And, you know, one of the things, uh, I call it the reverse red light method. I've um, kind of learned, I think, from a book or a counselor, I can't remember. But it's kind of like before you get angry and you feel that wave of emotion come over, you know, stop so the red light, then the yellow light is just take a moment, take a few breaths, be mindful, think, and then the green light before you, t- you act, before you speak. And what a big difference that makes. Um, but, you know, in my life, I think back to one of my um, most regretted memories, and I could go on and on, uh, but, you know, one goes back to a sandbox where I played with my cousin. And I don't know how old I was, but I must have been pretty young playing in a sandbox, But now, even now, when I go back and visit my cousin, she reminds me of how I threw sand into her friend's eye, I think, from that sandbox. And I don't even remember the incident. You know, I must have gotten angry or I don't know what. But, you know, there's all these situations. There's another really embarrassing one that happened when I was in high school. And my girlfriend and I had broken up, and I saw her with another guy, and I just had knee surgery, and I was on crutches, and I wasn't supposed to put any weight on my leg, but yet my anger came over me. She was with another guy, and the jealousy came in, and I came running after this guy with my crutches, swinging him. You know, what a maniac. And I still go back to that high school now, and and I think that's what everyone thinks of when they think of Mike Collum. They think of that crazy guy with the crutches, you know. It's a terrible thing. Another time, you know, some, my dad remarried and I had some new cousins and I just wanted to get along and be part of them, but I, I, I just struggled a bit. And anyway, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I got locked out of the house. So what did I do? I got angry. I, I picked up a rock and I threw it through the window. Okay, did I stop? Did I use the yellow light to kind of think and be mindful? No, I just reacted. And you see what Terrible things we can do. And I know many of us are laughing because it happens to most of us. It might not be as silly as 
chasing someone with crutches or throwing rocks through windows. It could be just a thought process or maybe a judgment you're making on someone else. But God wants to change us. He wants to um, make us so that we're like Jesus. Jesus is what the perfect example is to change our, our software and the way we think. You know, there is a conspiracy. And then we, you know, the last year, most of us heard so many different conspiracies and you don't know what to believe. But I want to tell you one conspiracy, and the Bible backs me on this, and that is the conspiracy the devil has. It's all part of this great controversy, a great controversy or something that Aussies say. Controversy is the way I say it. But, um, you know, this is a battle. This is going on between good and evil. But the most um, freeing thing I realized was that battle's between God and Satan. It's not between Satan and me. And most of my life, I've been trying to fight the devil on my own. And I keep failing. I keep getting beat up. You know, I keep throwing rocks through windows. I keep making a fool of myself. And God says, hey, Mike, I've already won the battle for you. I love you. You're my child. I've got plans for you. I want you to prosper. I want you to be successful. I want you to be a conduit where my love flows through, where you can share that with other people. And I hope and pray that he continues to do that more and more as I connect with him. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I mean, this is a spiritual war. This is a supernatural war. And it's real. There are supernatural powers that are out there and what we're fighting against. And here in Ephesians, when it goes on, it tells us about the armor of God and how we got to put on that armor. You know, and that's how we fight this spiritual battle. And the armor is not physical armor. It's, it's having God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. These are the things that it lists. And um, this is what will help us in our daily battle. We get bogged down. We get bogged down on, you know, all the semantics or the rules. And I just want to touch on rules for a moment because it, it is important to follow rules, but the rules are there for to benefit us and other people. And so when it comes to like the Ten Commandment rules, remember they're all about relationship. The first four commandments about how we love God. You know, the first commandment, have no other gods, put him first. You know, don't um, worship and bow down to idols. Don't misuse and dis disrespect his name. You know, use, remember the Sabbath day, you know, spend time with him one day a week, one day out of seven, put it aside and build that relationship with God and with others. This is what it's all about. It's not about following rules. The, um, the Pharisees and the lead, religious leaders in Jesus' time had taken the Ten Commandments and added and added to it until they had 672 rules and commandments. You know, it gets ridiculous. Let's go back to the basics. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God 
So we are su- sufficient because of God and what he's done by sending his son Jesus, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, the ministers. Now, who's the ministers? It's not me. It's all of us. We believe in, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you've become his disciple. And part of being a disciple is that you are a witness to the faith that you believe in. And so every day, that's why we need to be filled with the Spirit so we can represent God in in an honorable way. So we're not chasing people with crutches or throwing rocks through window because that's not really you know, wanting to be a very good example to anyone. And so all of us fall short of this, but God says, hey, I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want you to surrender. And this is what being a Christian is all about. This is why we have to be born again. What was wrong with our first birth? Well, we were born sinners, but we are born again in Christ and we begin growing as Christians. And so, you know, we can't help but growing old physically. Our hardware does age. You know, a couple years ago, I had to get an artificial hip in me. You know, it's not nearly as good as my original, but it does all right. I don't complain. But, you know, our bodies, we cannot change the fact that we're getting older and older. But we can't always grow um, mentally and spiritually. You know, yesterday we had a grand opening of the new building down at Gold Coast Christian College. And it was really uh, neat to to be... um, recognizing the, the um, efforts and, and what's put into to helping our children to learn and to grow and to have the facilities to do that. And we had a couple of the uh, local MPs there. And, um, you know, this honoring and recognizing the value of education. And so we need to keep learning, but we also, more important than learning just mentally, is actually growing spiritually. And I want to encourage us to make that a lifetime thing that we don't ever stop learning and growing spiritually. Unfortunately, sometimes the most important thing is a relationship, and we can easily just get back to going to following the rules, and we lose the relationship. And it's kind of like the example I heard once of a person having a donut. And having a donut and saying, you know... um, this, this donut, you know, uh, give, give me the hole. You know, there's a hole in this donut. I want the hole. The hole is not what it's about. You know, they're sitting there starving to death and they're wanting the hole in the donut. Well, forget the hole. Eat the donut. And sometimes that's what we get so caught up in, in, in the legalities of following rules that we get what's really important, what the real food, the real bread of life is the the, the word of God, and it's us submitting and having that relationship with him. As we read in Matthew 5, you've heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you murder, you're subject to judgment. So here, here's Jesus kind of taking the commandments and putting them into perspective because some people think, well, somehow I'm going to earn my way by keeping the commandments. And basically what Jesus says, hey, even if you get angry with someone, you've broken that commandment. Well, you know, um, as I shared last week, I break that commandment often when I'm driving, and I'm working on that one, you know. Um, You're subject to judgment if you call someone an idiot. You know, I don't like to be called an idiot, and I shouldn't call anyone else an idiot. But sometimes we can get angry, and we can say things that are hurtful to other people, and God wants to change us. He wants 
us to always see the, the good in other people. And so I just want to encourage us to be involved and be Christians who are connecting and looking for the, the good in others. You know, the other one that Jesus turned on the head is, is saying that if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. So again, you know, this, this is a whole thing that makes us all guilty. And I think this works both ways. You know, the, the, the Bible's written very much in the, um, the male gender, but it happens both ways. You know, women too, whether it's lust or maybe it's just uh, the way that you use your, um, yourself in a way that's not appropriate. And I think we all need to examine ourselves at this and see that we're doing what's right in the eyes of God. Here in the, 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 uh, a very good writer puts it this way in Testimonies, um, page 420, God is angry with those who pursue a course to make the world hate them. If a Christian's hated because of his good works and for following Christ, he will have a reward. But if he is hated uh, because he does not take a course to be loved, hated because of this uncultivated manners and because he makes the truth a matter of quarrel with his neighbors and takes a course to make the Sabbath as annoying as possible to them. He is a stumbling block to sinners. You know, there's pretty, pretty strong words there. But, you know, I think, you know, all of us can probably find we can easily fall into being guilty of some of the things there that it's criticizing. How did Jesus do it? Again, let's look walking the way. How did Jesus do it? He didn't go around pointing fingers and condemning he was full of love and acceptance. First John 2.15, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And these are not from the Father but are from this world. So this is what he's talking about in that text in, in, in Romans 12. This is what the part of the world that we want to get away from. And this is what we want to change our thinking. And in verse 17, And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does, not, does what pleases God will live forever. You know, this is really the great reward we have. I want to just share this, a couple of, I'm not going to read right through this quote, but from the same author in the book Desire of Ages. Here it talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But here's what we as humans often do. We think the Holy Spirit's there for us to use as we wish. And this makes it very clear that we are to surrender to the Holy Spirit. We cannot use the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit uses us. So this is what being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis is about us surrendering and inviting the Holy Spirit then to use us and to change our thinking. The Holy Spirit's not there to be our genie in the bottle. He's there to transform us, and that can only come as we really uh, turn over to him. Well, I want to close today with this text, which is our text of the year where Jesus responds to Thomas after Jesus tells about he's going away to prepare a place for him. And Thomas asks, you know, how do we know where that place is? And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, Jesus is the way. And I just want to encourage you, we're coming into Easter next weekend. You know, and they got the Easter program. If you 
Um, pick up some of these on your way out. If you can come next week, you know, invite someone and come along with them. You know, it's a bit daunting to come to a church if they come and they don't know someone. But if you bring someone and say, hey, we'd like for you to come to our special Christ, uh, Easter program, invite them, bring them along. This is what it's about. And Easter, you know, Good Friday's coming up this week. You know, why is it called Good Friday? Jesus died on a cross. It wasn't good for him. He suffered greatly, but it's good for us. Because he did that to save us from our sins. So let's keep turning to Jesus on a daily basis. Let's keep surrendering to him. Let's begin this journey. If you haven't began it, if you have begun it, continue it. Win on a daily basis. Surrender to him because he is coming back. And we don't need to worry about whether we're ready. We will be ready if we're daily surrendering to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.